Kamala Harris got criticized by a conservative journalist, so of course it's racist. Plus, Chris Wallace leaves Fox News in a media shocker, and J.K. Rowling is in trouble with the far left again for speaking out in support of women's rights and angering the trans community. This is Rob Smith is Problematic. Okay, Problematic. Well, first of all, I'm coming to you from New York City this week. I guess it really doesn't matter where I come to you from, but I just thought that you should know uh, that I am in <laughs> the, uh, the the sad final days of Bill de Blasio's New York City. Um, you know, it, it, it's not so bad. I find it getting better. Um, there are a couple of things that are, that are very odd um, right now. Maybe I'll do another episode on that later this week. But now, for now... Let's talk about Kamala Harris a little bit. And and look, I, I know that it seems like I talk about Kamala Harris a lot, but I think that it is just such a fascinating thing that we are watching in American history now. So what we have is basically our first black woman, but she's the first woman vice president, which is like, I think that that's a good thing. Okay. I think that that is a huge deal. I think it's a big deal. She's um the first... Uh, black, you know, female vice president. I think that that's kind of like less of a big deal of, of than the fact that she's a woman. But, you know, these things are ultimately very fascinating. And so we're living through this very fascinating moment in American history where we have our first black female vice president who is failing miserably and is completely and utterly incompetent um, and, and just not qualified to be there at all for a a vast majority, a treasure trove of reasons that have absolutely nothing to do with her gender and her race, right? So so let's get into this right now. <clears throat> um, Wall Street Journal columnist and Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Peggy Noonan, this woman named Peggy Noonan, um, has dared to criticize Kamala Harris. And now the K-Hive is calling her racist. You have probably never heard of the K-Hive before uh, because this is a complete creation of blue check marks on Twitter who have decided that this is what we call this sort of rabid Kamala Harris fan base, right? That led her to a whopping 3% in the polls when she was running for president. So, you know, Kamala Harris is, this is a creation of, of the left. She's a creation of that sort of media industrial complex that I'm telling you guys all about. And, and the reason why, you know, this K-Hive um, and, and Kamala Harris itself is a creation of all this, this has a lot to do with the fact that she is failing. So before we get into why said criticism is quote unquote racist, and I'm going to tell you what some of the uh, usual suspects on the left said. I just want to look at what Peggy Noonan said, okay? So these comments are in the context of a larger um, a, a larger column that she did that was about, uh, you know, a, a lot of different things, but people are really honing into this stuff that, that she said um, about Kamala Harris. So this is an analysis, and I thought that this was very fascinating um, because this um, paragraph right here really does explain... Um, kind of the failures of Kamala Harris. So this is what Noonan writes. She loves the politics of politics too much and not the meaning. When people meet with her, they come away saying that what she cares about is the politics of the issue, not the issue itself. But even as she's obsessed with the game of national politics, she's not so far particularly good at it. Um, And then, you know, Noonan kind of you know, puts the knife in and twists it a little bit. And she says, when she sought the Democratic presidential nomination in 2020, she spectacularly flamed out. Um, 
And this is correct. This is what we have seen over and over again. So when you get outside of, of um, you know, Kamala Harris and the team hiring child actors to do some sort of science video that went on YouTube. If, if you get outside of, you know, her showing up at a campaign rally for um, Terry McAuliffe, who then lost to um, who lost to the Republican guy, Glenn Youngkin in Virginia. So you have to look at things outside of just this sort of naked, obvious political rally stuff. Anybody can get out there and and rile up a political rally um, of people that are on your side. It's not a hard thing to do, okay? I do not know that it requires a whole lot of political skill to do so, right? Um, and, And so that's what Kamala Harris is spending a lot of her time doing right now. But when you really look at the cases where... She really had to stand up and kind of make a policy decision or something is dropped in her lap. She's kind of failed every single time. And of course, we all go back to the southern border thing, right? So when the southern border, and basically it still is, by the way, like we still have tens of thousands of people like crossing that border every single day, right? This is not something that has stopped just because it's something that we're not talking about in the media anymore. But when you look at the uh, the fact that the Biden team kind of like dumped that in her lap, which was if you are somebody that buys into the idea that the Biden team um, and the Kamala Harris team really do not like each other and they seem to be actively subverting her <laughs> at every moment, then when you look at what they did by dumping the border crisis in her lap was actually brilliant because not only did they dump this in her lap, um, in those two weeks, uh, it, she completely failed at it. In, in fact, the Guatemalan president was just doing an interview with Fox News, and he said that, you know, he spoke to her one time about this whole thing. Remember, um, she never went to the southern border itself. Um, she <laughs> went to Guatemala to try to talk about the quote-unquote root causes. This is uh, the sort of PR talking point, whereas... I guess we all try to pretend that there's not this huge crisis on the border, uh, but it's more important for us to talk about why these people um, are are running to the border and and running across our border and all this other stuff. So when she's given something actually substantial to do, it fails. Um, And she failed with the border thing. And the reason why she failed really goes into what Noonan was sort of um, buckling down into when it comes to this op-ed that she wrote. She wants to, Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris wants to be seen as somebody who cares about why people are crossing the border. She doesn't want to risk the political capital that comes with having to actually do something about it that may make her unpopular in the eyes of the base. And part of this may be because when she did things that were unpopular to that base, they came back to haunt her while she was running for president. Remember, there was all the memes memes about Kamala the cop, because when she was attorney general in California, she was locking people up and she was very, you know, she was unapologetic about this. She was unapologetic about putting criminals behind bars. And she even went so far as in one clip that was going viral uh, around that time, you know, she was talking about, you, you know, the, the truancy, um, the truancy level of the kids. And she was talking about even snatching some of the kids up and, and, and putting them in sort of the, um, you know, the, um, you know, just putting the putting the kids in the detention center. So that's what, what she was talking about. So all of these things made her 
very unpopular among a far left base in, in California. And this is what made her so unpopular among the far left, which is why, you know, she didn't get the Democratic nomination, right? And so my instincts tell me that I, you know, and, and here's the thing, she's the vice president of the United States, and I still do not know where she falls on the ideological spectrum. She is very similar to Hillary Clinton in that you never know what this person believes in um, until the polling comes out. And then whatever the polling says is what she believes in. And as we see this move of the Democratic Party and of the left, and I'm talking about on the large levels, like on the large scale levels, not so much um, people running their mouth on Twitter. On the large scale level, I think that we're seeing sort of a shift back to this sort of blue dog Democrat, right? And if this is who Kamala Harris really was, she probably should have been that person when she ran for president. She probably would have been better off and she probably would have gotten more traction. But instead, we're left with this person who we really don't know who she is when she's given um, the opportunity to really do something that maybe political politically risky she does absolutely nothing so this is why people this is why she's seen as as a failure right and so this is what Newland, Noonan concluded she said um she wants Harris to humble herself to be a little bit more earnest and to be um a little bit not so controlled and this is what Noonan says let them say you look chastened. People would be relieved to see you look chastened. Let them snidely suggest you had previously hidden your serious side. You did. Let them say you've been humbled. You should be. So far, you've got a lot to be humble about. And then she says, the good thing about having been killed is nobody expects anything from you because you're dead. Expectations are low. Miss Harris can use the time of her deadness to focus on why she's failing. Now, I look at this and I read this and I don't particularly see anything racist about this. She's the, the only thing that um, any not any insane person can think is racist is just the fact that this white woman has dared to criticize, um, you know, a, a biracial woman that is the first, you know, biracial woman, black woman, whatever, that is vice president. Um, but this is not enough for the far left because these people, they operate under this in this playbook. And mind you, that this is not anything that is coming from any serious politicians. These are coming from the usual suspects on the left. So this is what we're getting. This is what Jamel Hill said um, on Twitter. Peggy Noonan's column has major. The VP is being uppity energy. And once again, here we are with a white woman gleefully carrying the patriarchy's water, right? So. And this is very interesting coming from the far left, especially coming from somebody like Jamel Hill, because it seems as if um, nobody ever has any agency unless they're doing what the left wants them to do. So if you're a white woman and you are not saying what the left wants you to say, then you are basically just carrying water for white men and you have zero agency for yourself, right? If you are a black person that is not saying what the left wants you to say, you have zero agency and you're a self-hating white supremacist, right? So it goes on and on and on. And this is what um, Jamie Harrison, the DNC chair said, um, Peggy Noonan in the unrelenting hit job that she and the GOP right wing are trying to put on VP Kamala Harris. And the interesting thing about this is that this is in no the right wing is 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 playing kid gloves with Kamala Harris right now 
They have not attacked this woman at all. They have not even begun, if they are ever going to begin, to really and truly attack her because this is the kind of stuff that most in the right wing, most in the GOP are afraid of seeing, right? Um, So they don't say anything about Kamala Harris. In fact, they trip over themselves to make any sort of criticism of this woman as ginger as possible. Like, it just, they, they, they tread so lightly when it comes to Kamala Harris. And even if I do, um, like a Fox News segment, or if I do some, some news segment, or if I, you know, have an opinion about Kamala Harris where I tell you guys, just like I've been telling you, the reasons why she are, she's failing. So just being open and honest about the reasons why this woman is failing, nobody ever wants to hear it. And the odd thing about this is that you don't have anybody on the left that can tell you anything that Kamala Harris has said or done that they actually like. They just revert back into this protection mode um, because she is a Black woman. And that doesn't do anything for Black people, mind you, okay? Um, making excuses for the failure of Kamala Harris. Now, look, if somebody was being racist or sexist against Kamala Harris, everybody would call that out, including myself. But all criticism isn't racist or sexist, right? And so the left wing in these people sort of existing in this sort of reflective mode to where they want to depend, they want to defend her while they cannot tell you anything good that she has said or done, it, 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 it is a weakness of the left. And this does not bode well for the future because everybody knows. And like, I'm one of the only people that will say this, but look, Kamala Harris got where she is because she's a black woman that occupied a certain space and a certain stature. Now we remember, and people can come for me, maybe in you know twenty years, somebody from CNN will be pulling this, um, and they'll say, "Oh, well, Rob said this, Rob said that." Look, everybody knows it because the pressure that was coming from the left um, to on Biden to pick a black woman as his VP was so intense, there was no way that he could have stood up to that. Now he could have stood up to it, but he would have just been called a racist and everything else that that you know they call people that don't do what they want to do. But instead, in case, he caved. And so now we have Kamala Harris, who is just failing, and it's just not doing well. So, look, this is not going to bode well for this sort of identity politics-based um, selection in the future. And to the far left, I would say this. Before you put your cape on for Kamala Harris, before you try to defend her from these evil um, you know, white Republicans that, that want to give her some very valid criticism as to why she's doing so horribly, before you put on your cape for Kamala Harris far left, ask yourself, what could she be doing better? Ask yourself, what has she done Really, for for black people in, in, on the right or left in general, what has she done since being vice president that leads you to want to protect her so much? Or are you just being used by the same people that knew that if they put Kamala Harris in that position, she wouldn't ha- she would have to do absolutely nothing, and you guys would defend her. So before you put on that cape for Kamala Harris far left. I would encourage you to think about that. And no, this criticism isn't racist, isn't sexist, it is, isn't in anything. Um, this criticism is something that is very necessary for her if they want her to do better in this role.
but I don't think that this is some criticism that they'll ever take to heart because it's already been diminished. It's already been um, twisted into some sort of product of the right wing. And Kamala Harris will continue to fail until either she or her team or any of these idiots that are defending her um, from the most um, ginger criticism I've ever heard in my entire life. This stuff is not going to change until they get the memo as to why she is failing. Next up, Chris Wallace is out at Fox News in the media shocker of 2021. I will tell you how the left is using this news to try to destroy Fox after the break. All right, problematic. So this obsession that the left has with Fox News is something that I've always found absolutely fascinating. I mean, guys, this has been going on. I remember in 2003, maybe it was 2005, 2006. I was living in Colorado. I think I had like, um, I was living in Colorado at the time. And there was a documentary called Out Fox that came out. And they did a, um, there was a complete documentary about just basically how Fox is bad and Fox is wrong and this is right wing propaganda and all this. And yeah, this was in 2005. And I've always found this obsession that the left has fascinating. I mean, if you're thinking about the left, these people own practically every lever of media and entertainment, and it seems to drive them completely insane. It seems to drive these people completely up the wall that there is one institution, that there is one news network, that there is one sort of media um, ecosystem that they do not completely control and dominate it and dominate. And also, when you think about um, how crazy the left is for Fox News, you have to think about a lot of these commentators that come from CNN, that come from MSNBC, that come from competitors that get, get like literally 20% of the audience that Fox does. I mean, the, the Fox audience is absolutely massive. And there's a lot of professional jealousy that comes in that. But look, the latest indication of their obsession is this sort of shock exit of Chris Wallace from Fox News. If you... Um, don't know who Chris Wallace is. Wallace is, of course, he is the son of legendary anchor Mike Wallace. I bet you did not know that. He is. Um, so this is basically someone who sat behind a news desk for decades so that he got old enough for the stink of nepotism to wear off. And then he becomes lauded as one of the greats, one of the greatest journalists who ever lived. It's really interesting how this works, being in you know some aspect of this media ecosystem it's really interesting seeing these people who are um, complete partisans, by the way, and and most of them are complete hacks. If you, it's like if you're if you're a hack for thirty or forty years, and all of a sudden you get old and grizzled, and people just think that you're a serious newsman from a different era. That's hysterical to me. Um, so look, um, so Chris Wallace is out at Fox News, and um, look, this is what he had to say when he announces exit. It may sound corny, but I feel we've built a community here. There's a lot you can do on Sunday mornings. The fact you've chosen to spend this hour with us is something I cherish. But after 18 years, I have decided to leave Fox. I want to try something new to go beyond politics to all the things I'm interested in. I'm ready for a new adventure, and I hope you'll check it out. That's, um... What Chris Wallace said when he when he signed off on uh, Fox News Sunday um, for the last time. 
Now, it turns out that Chris Wallace is going to CNN Plus. Um, this is what's going on. So CNN reported that he's going to be joining the new CNN Plus streaming service. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Like, nobody watches CNN. I'm not entirely sure what the business model behind having a streaming service is. I, this is presumably uh, something that people are going to pay for every month. It's like nobody watches CNN for free. I don't understand why they're going to pay for it, but whatever. Um, so they're doing the CNN Plus streaming service, right? And so, look, this could be for a lot of dif- different reasons. You know, you do the same job for 20 years. Maybe you get over it. Maybe Chris Wallace doesn't want to do news anymore. Maybe he wants to do a series of documentaries. Maybe he wants to do more long-form journalism. Who on earth knows what this man wants to do? Maybe it was about money. Maybe it was about whatever. But this is the thing. The left and, and you know, the, the mainstream media complex that exists to try to destroy Fox News. They're using this um, to try to make it seem as if um, Chris Wallace is just so fed up uh, with, you know, the right-wing rhetoric that's going on in Fox News that he's a serious person and he's going to a serious news service. And this is what this is what the post says. Uh, this is the New York Post says, you know, Wallace is leaving Fox at a time when the network has been beset by internal conflicts, largely stemming from disputes over its balance between news and commentary, many within the company fearing the latter outweighs the former. And so they're comparing, you know, Chris Wallace to Shep Smith, who <laughs> left for the Witness Protection Program on CNBC a couple of years ago. Nobody watches that show either, but I guess, uh, I don't know, I guess he's taken seriously in the the media parties in New York City because he's not at Fox News. Um, so basically the only... The only very, very high-profile straight news guy that's at the network is is Brett, Brett Baer. Um, and Martha McCallum, Callum, you know, she's a pretty, pretty serious journalist as well. So, you know, these are um, two of the people that are going to be filling in for Chris Wallace on Fox News Sunday. I personally think that... Um, I think that Martha McCollum should probably take over. She's super interesting, um, and they got her at 3 p.m. So I think that her on Fox News Sunday would be very interesting. But anyway... The left is trying to spin this as Wallace is leaving because he is just uncomfortable with some of the right-wing rhetoric that is going on um, at Fox Fox News. And so I want you to listen to, uh, this is what the potato over on CNN, Brian Stalter, um, this is what he had to say about the whole thing. But for now, let's talk about why this is a significant change at Fox News. Uh, as uh, the um, uh, as Brian Kloss, the author, pointed out on Twitter here, he says, just like the increasingly authoritarian Republican Party, when organizations radicalize, the moderates either get purged or purge themselves. Again, in the case of Wallace, I'm told by a source that Fox wanted him to stay. He decided to leave. He has something new that he wants to do. So what does that say about Fox and the right wing media? That raises questions about what's changing at Fox. And the interesting thing about all this is that there are a lot of people remember when Tucker Carlson came out with that Patriot Purge documentary. Um, and this was uh, kind of the conservative answer to all of these documentaries that have been that were being done on um, January 6th. And the left completely freaked. I mean, they freaked out about it. These people 
if there is any sort of stream of information that they cannot control, that they cannot put their, put their spin on, they freak out. And Tucker Carlson knew this, which is why he did that documentary. I'm not here to speak to whatever journalistic integrity that documentary has because I, I just haven't seen it. You know, I got work. I, I, there's a lot of things to do. But I do know this. There are a lot of documentaries that came out about January 6th that came from the left-leaning perspective. CNN did one. Um, you know, PBS did one. I, I believe that MSNBC did one. I think M- NBC News did one. Nobody cared what all of these mainstream media outlets had to say about January 6th, but they lost their collective minds when Tucker Carlson decided to do a documentary. And what I think... Um, that Tucker Carlson was getting at when he did this documentary is that he knew that that he had to create some sort of historical record about what happened on January 6th that either contradicts or stands up to the left's narrative. You know, history is written by the winners, and these people will try to create a narrative of January 6th that is their own narrative. And we still do not know what happened. I know that there's probably um, a lot of stuff that went on that we are just now starting to figure out. But I do know this, that when that documentary came out and the fact that Tucker Carlson has so much power over there on Fox News to do documentaries like Patriot Purge, that gave a lot, that put it just drove a lot of these people crazy. Um, and that's when you started hearing more and more and more of the um, right-wing Fox News, this is lies, this is disinformation, this is et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so a lot of those people are using sort of this move um, from Chris Wallace to sort of cement that narrative that what goes on at Fox is not news. Um, and I find, as somebody that does Fox about three or four times a week, I do Fox as a political commentator. That's what I do. Um, I do not pretend to be um, a straight journalist, um, and I haven't for a very long time. And what makes me different from a lot of the people that you see on these mainstream media networks is that they are pretending to be objective journalists, and they're not. Um, I am not pretending to be an objective journalist. I am a political commentator. But whenever I do Fox stuff, the liberal perspective is always challenged because I do day side, right? I, I'm not in prime time. I don't do Hannity. I haven't done Tucker Carlson in years. I, you know, I, I'm just not, I'm not on nighttime a lot. Um, nothing against it. It's just nothing that uh, that I get reached out to. Um Nighttime tends to to do the flamethrowers and I tend to not be so much of a, a flamethrower. I'm a pretty practical dude. But I've never done a Fox News hit where there's not the liberal or the Democrat perspective um, shown and, and covered. And the other networks just do not do this. So the idea that Fox is some sort of right wing echo chamber um, that just traffics in lies and in propaganda, I, I take umbers to that. I find that to not be true. There are a lot of great journalists that do a lot of great work in the Fox News ecosystem that just pursue their journalism from a conservative perspective. And that, I guess, uh, for the people that run CNN and MSNBC and all of these networks, uh, apparently that should be verboten. So as far as Chris Wallace goes, look, I'm not, I don't think that he's like some legendary iconic newsman. I thought that he did uh, very poorly in that last debate that he moderated between Biden and Trump. But also, who knows what he wants to go do over at um, CNN Plus. Like, I'm not going to be watching, I'm not paying for some CNN streaming service. Like, who cares? Um, And nobody else is. But look, Chris, Wallace, 
get the money, get the checks, because God knows that they're going to be lighting a lot of money on fire trying to get CNN Plus off the ground. But I just wanted to bring that up because you guys need to know the game the left is playing when it comes to delegitimizing the stuff that comes out of Fox. And I just don't want you to fall for it. So J.K. Rowling is in trouble with the far left, again, for speaking out in support of women's rights and angering the trans community. I will tell you what she said up next. Well, I don't know about you guys problematics, but I am old enough to remember when J.K. Rowling was lauded as a feminist hero by the left. This is somebody who came up with one of the most, maybe the most, one of the most iconic fantasy franchises um, in in world history. And I was going to say American history, but it, it's world history because she's a Brit. Um, and that's, of course, Harry Potter. And the Harry Potter books and movies are beloved by so many people. And she you know, she got every every sort of benefit that the left can give you. She was the feminist of the year. She was the icon. She was lauded. She was this and this and that and all of this other stuff until, until J.K. Rowling started to use her voice as a feminist to stand up for the rights of biological women um, in opposition to the movements of the far-left radical trans. Now, this has, has gone on for a couple of years. Um, she has started to speak up about it because I don't know if you guys pay too much attention to what's going on in the far left with the trans stuff. It is much more intense um, over in the UK than it is in America. It's To tell you the truth, some of the stuff in America got so crazy and people started realizing about it that it really slowed down a lot here. Um, but in the UK, it has gone completely off the rails. In the UK, a lot of the things that are going on right now is they're starting what's called self-ID. So basically what this means is that if somebody says that they're a woman, then they're just a woman, and then everything gets changed and they get access to women's spaces um, and all of these different things. And what you are seeing happening in the UK right now, um, and you see this happening a lot in America as well, I I would suggest that you follow a Twitter account, um, I believe, or a website, it's called womenarehuman.com. And what you're seeing happening a lot is a lot of these transgender women who are still biologically male, mind you, um, are getting popped for sexual assaults, you know, violence, battery, these things against women. Um, And it is going in the reporting and it is, you know, going in the file that these are women committing these assaults and, and committing these acts of violence. And of course, these are not women. These are biological men. And the self-ID that is being pushed hardcore um, by the far-left um, trans fringe and in the UK is much, much further along than it is here in America, right? And so J.K. Rowling started speaking up about this. So recently, this is what she said in this, you know, she said this on Twitter. She's getting in a lot of trouble about this. Um, and by the way, before I get into what she just said on Twitter, mind you that the the left in our country has pretty much abandoned J.K. Rowling for speaking up in support of women's rights as a feminist um, because she is not controlled by the left and she is not controlled by the far-left radical trans that controls all of the other ways um, in in which all of the left-wing feminists and activists speak, right? 
And so when she started speaking out about this stuff, you know, she got death threats from the trans activists, you know, a couple of them, I believe it was about a month or so ago, they doxed her, which means that they published her address online. She gets very hateful, very nasty messages um, underneath everything that she tweets. This is really vile, violent stuff. And if you want to get into what some of these people are saying about her, these are... Uh, you know, these uh, stunning, brave, and demure transgender women, look at some of the stuff that these people write on her comments. It's it's actually crazy. Um, it's violent. It's disturbing. It's disgusting. But this is what J.K. Rowling goes through. And now she has also been excommunicated from the Harry Potter universe. They did this big retrospective on HBO Max with all the stars of the movies and the woman whose brain this entire multi-billion dollar franchise came out of is, is excised, as if she never even existed. And all of these weak Hollywood actors have, have come out, Emma Watson, Rupert Grant, um, Daniel Radcliffe. These weak people have come out and distanced themselves from her. The woman, without if that woman did not come up with this idea, they would be absolutely nobody, and certainly not multimillionaires that have been set for life since they were freaking 15 years old, right? This is how weak these people are. So anyway... This is what J.K. Rowling said um, recently. And she, to give you some context to what she said on Twitter, um, she said these things attached to a story um, from the Times of the UK that is basically calling out the absurdity of police logging rapists as women. This is what I was telling you about a little bit earlier, where we have these, these quote-unquote, these transgender women who are biologically men committing sexual assaults. And being lawed by police as these are women creating these kinds. Of course, this is, this is not real. So this is what she said. She said, war is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. The penist individual who raped you is a woman. So this is what she said. Um, and so now she, you know, and, and what I appreciate about this and when it, when you are making a stance that is this bold, that so many people are too afraid to say. You've got to be, and I say this all the time, and this is whether it's, you know, we're talking about Nicki Minaj and Vaxxas, we're talking about Kanye West on the MAGA cap on or whatever. You have to be what they call unfwithable, which means you have so much money, so much clout, so much of everything that you just do not care and you are going to speak the truth no matter what. And that is where J.K. Rowling is right now. And so she says what she wants to say. And I respect that. I respect that. And this reference that Rowling wrote in this um, tweet is referencing Newspeak, right? And, and you know, you know that from, from George Orwell in 1984. We, you know, this is Newspeak now. We completely changed the language to control what people are saying. And so, of course, she has been, you know, basically blasted by the far left. This is what, um, you know, one of these... Uh, far left people, Seth Abramson said, he said, sorry, JK, but if a self-described trans alleged rapist is indeed a trans person, there's no harm or foul here. The policy just ensures proper record keeping. And if the suspect falsely claims to be trans, that lie will be used against them at their rape trial. No issue here. Okay. So this is what, you know, this is what you're going to get from like a liberal cuck on the left. First of all, The policy that just ensures proper record keeping is number one, um, erasing the the violence that is done to a woman by a biological male. And 
This is what he says that I find interesting. He says if the suspect, quote unquote, falsely claims to be trans, that lie will be used against them at their rape trial. But the conversation that the far left has about trans transgender issues is that it does not matter what it doesn't like biology doesn't matter biological sex if this person says that they're a woman then they're a woman right these are this is playing by the left left's rules so there's no such thing as real trans or fake trans when it comes to these people because everybody every time anytime somebody says that they're trans is real and if you deny that based on biological sex then you are denying a trans person's lived existence this is the lunacy um that we are with the far left right now this is lunacy and it's very interesting. Um, and this is what, you know, some of the, uh, one of these other far left people says. He says, J.K. Rowling is determined to make sure she's remembered for her transphobic views just as much as she is for creating Harry Potter. Shame. 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 You know, it's just, it's, it's very, very interesting to me. And what I find when I'm reading you, you know, some of these blue checks, right? What some of these blue checks were saying on the left is that, you know, it, it seems to, and this is sort of the, um, this is how this stuff sort of operates, right? So now, if if JK had made these comments five years ago, we would have had every single actor, actress, and celebrity in Hollywood would have had to say something to, you know, to combat this anti-trans rhetoric. We're not seeing a whole lot of this. We're seeing a lot of this pushback coming from, you know, blue check libs who live to blue check lib on Twitter. That's all these people do, right? Like a lot of them don't even have jobs, just like writers or something. And what I think this is, is I think that we are seeing the tide start to, start to kind of shift for this. Because when J.K. Rowling, when somebody that has that much power and money and wealth and influence, somebody that literally cannot be canceled, when she says it, it empowers other people to have this conversation too. So what I think is going to happen here, and like I said, guys, you know, problematics, you heard it here first. We're moving to the post-woke era. This is, this is post-woke, right? When the left gets their butts handed to them in about a year from now, that's going to be the true transition into it. But people are starting to understand that, number one, letting far-left lunatics with blue check marks on Twitter control all of the conversation in the country has gotten us into a point of absolute lunacy. And number two, denying the existence of biological sex has gotten us to the point where you've got that swimmer um, that competed, uh, this, this collegiate swimmer that competed as a male you know, until about two years ago, um, you know, went through, I guess, testosterone suppression therapy for like a year. And now is all of a sudden demolishing women's records. Right. And so this is what we have going on here. I think that leading into the future, there are more. And, you know, we're going to start seeing more people speak out about this. J.K. Rowling's the first one and she's the boldest one and she's the bravest one. But. I promise you, Problematics, she won't be the last. Before we go, I want to thank my fellow Problematics so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at RobSmithOnline. Special thanks to our producer, Robert Borowski, researcher Aaron Kliegman, and executive producers, Debbie Myers, and speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. 
part of the Gingrich 360 Network. 